Hello, and welcome to Next Reads, a podcast where we read the first chapter of a young adult or middle grade book to help you figure out what to read next. This podcast might contain language or situations some listeners might find offensive or unsettling. The North Liberty Library does not necessarily endorse any author's views, but it does support the freedom of speech and the freedom to read. And now on to the show. I am your host, Erin, Youth and Teen Services Librarian at the North Liberty Library. My pronouns are she and her. Welcome, listeners. So today I have a middle grade fantasy book by the author Raphael Simon, and a lot of you may know him by his alternate name, which is Pseudonymous Bosch. If you are a fan of any of those books that he has written, you'll probably very much enjoy this book. And the premise is, you know, have you ever wished that everyone would go away? The anti-book is the answer. So Mickey can't resist the ad inside his pack of gum. After all, lately he's been angry all the time at his divorced parents, at his sister, at his sister's bully of a boyfriend. He mails in his coupon, but when the book arrives, it's blank, except for one line of instruction. To erase it, write it. He fills the pages with all the things and people he would like to disappear. And the next morning he finds himself wandering an anti-world, one in which everything and everyone familiar is gone. Or are they? So that sets off the tone for this book. This one came out in, well, just 2021, but it's no longer on our new shelves. So you can find it in the regular stacks. <laughs> the chapters are titled Ad, Rad, Mad, Bad, Worse, Sad, Glad, Epilogue. Author clearly has a sense of humor. So here we go, part one. Get lost. That's what Mickey says to everyone these days. He might even say it to you if he knew you were here. Get lost. See, it isn't personal. He has nothing against you. He just wants to be left alone. Two, get lost, dog. It isn't just people. He even tells his dog to get lost. Get lost, dog. See, sometimes Mickey has to say it more than once. Get lost, dog. I said, get lost, noodle. Yes. Noodle is his dog's name, unfortunately. Mickey prefers not to say it out loud. You probably think it is unkind for a boy to tell a dog to get lost, unless the dog is biting him or the boy is allergic to dogs. Mickey's dog never bites him. Mickey is not allergic to dogs. Besides, Mickey's dog is hypoallergenic. Mickey just wants his dog to go away, and he wants you to go away too. It isn't personal. It isn't doggerel either. That was a joke. Doggerel is bad poetry or gibberish. It has nothing to do with dogs. Of course, it wasn't always this way. Noodle used to be Mickey's favorite thing in the world. He never minded that Noodle smelled when his coat got wet, or that Noodle always held on to balls when they played fetch, or that Noodle made muddy paw prints. Noodle doodles, Mickey called them, on Mickey's bed at night. He might even say Mickey loved those things about Noodle. Then one day, for no apparent reason, he stopped loving them. Like I said, it isn't personal. He just doesn't love anything very much anymore. Three, get lost, sister. Well, sometimes it's a little personal, like with his sister Alice, his big sister, as Alice always reminds him. Get lost, sister. Big sister. See? Get lost, big sister. 
With pleasure, she replies, but she never goes very far. Alice is always telling Mickey to grow up and to think about other people for a change. You mean like you? For starters. Mickey's big sister is only two years older than Mickey. Well, two and a half, which is hardly older at all, in Mickey's opinion. Being so close in age, Mickey and Alice used to be close friends. Or if not close friends, at least close siblings, which is close enough. You're my best little brother, Alice would say. I'm your only little brother, Mickey would say back. Or Mickey would say, you're my best big sister. And Alice would say, I'm your only big sister. It was like a secret handshake. It meant, you're awesome. It meant, I've got your back. It meant, I love you. Then, one day, Mickey's older sister got an older boyfriend. Older, that is, than she. Two years older. Mickey, 12. Alice, 15. Boyfriend, 17. 17! A two-year difference might not be much in the case of, say, siblings, but when it comes to a boyfriend, in Mickey's opinion, it's much too much. Alice disagrees. As she sees it, having such an older boyfriend means that she is no longer just a little bit older than Mickey. She is a lot older and a lot bigger. Math is funny that way. Four, get lost, sister's boyfriend. Get lost, sister's boyfriend's friend. As if that weren't bad enough, Alice's boyfriend is a bodybuilder. He has extra large biceps, or as he calls them, guns, and extra defined abdominal muscles, or as he calls them, abs, features that he shows off by wearing extra small t-shirts. Aside from his body, which he prizes above all else, and Alice, who in theory comes next, Alice's boyfriend's main pride and joy is his vintage muscle car, a 1968 Camaro SS, if you want to know the exact year and model. Mickey does not want to know the exact year and model. Mickey calls Alice's boyfriend car boy, or less often, car friend, or muscle boy, or muscle friend, but never to car boy's face. He doesn't say much to car boy's face if he can help it. Car boy has no hesitation speaking to Mickey. He calls Mickey by names that are unrepeatable and, in Mickey's opinion, unclever. Most of these names begin with a word for a rear end and end with the word head or wipe. Carboy lives around the corner from Mickey. When he's not polishing his car in his driveway, he can usually be found loitering on the bridge near Mickey's school where his best friend, the mime, performs. Yes, Carboy's best friend is a mime. He wears white face makeup and a black beret and even has a red plastic carnation that squirts water, most often at Mickey. Mickey's name for him are Mime Boy, Beret Boy, and Silent Scream. And no, Mickey doesn't say those names aloud either. Both Car Boy and Mime Boy like to hang out and do nothing except take a lot of selfies and harass whoever is unlucky enough to pass by. In other words, they are an unlikely pair, unless you imagine them as a circus act, which Mickey often does to amuse himself. Not that Car Boy has any circus talents unless you count throwing the belongings of young kids over the side of the bridge. Mime Boy, on the other hand, juggles small purloined objects, pats imaginary prison walls, and imitates the way people walk. Mickey, for instance. Judging from Mime Boy's miming motions, Mickey is two feet tall and walks like a robot. Judging from his loud laughter, Car Boy finds this extremely funny. Here's what's really infuriating. If Mickey walks like a robot, it's Carboy's fault. You see, 
The first time Alice invited Carboy into their house, Carboy told Mickey he walked like a girl. I do not, said Mickey. What does that even mean anyway? You know, with your hands like this. Carboy demonstrated, his hands dangling limply from his wrists. Curls don't walk like that. Carboy shrugged. I just thought you should know, since you're sort of like my little brother now. Don't be mad. I'm not your little brother, and I'm not mad. Nonetheless, from that day onward, Mickey has walked with his arms stiff at his sides, like a robot, and Mime Boy has imitated his walk, and Carboy has laughed, and then laughed again just in case Mickey didn't hear him the first time. For someone so old, I think you'll agree, Carboy is not very mature. He's definitely not very nice. Same goes for Mime Boy. Get lost, Carboy. Get lost, Mime Boy. No, Mickey doesn't really say that. He's too scared. Carboy is much bigger than he is. So is Mime Boy. But Mickey thinks it. Five. Get lost, parents. Perhaps you will not be surprised to hear that Mickey's parents are the people Mickey most often tells to get lost. Although he rarely tells them both to get lost at once because his parents are getting a divorce and these days they are rarely in the same place at the same time. Mickey's mom and dad do not believe it's not personal when he tells them to get lost. They think he's mad at them. I feel a lot of negative energy coming from you, his mom says, tying the laces of her new hiking boots. You're not making it easy for me to go through my own process. I'm not mad. Blame me if you need to, but I thought you were smarter than that, says his dad, trimming his new beard. Divorce is never one-sided. I'm not mad. Why should Mickey be mad? Their divorce is their business. It's like he's always hearing in school, your body, your choices, or in this case, their bodies, their choices. What Mickey's parents, his ex-parents, don't realize is that their divorce has nothing to do with him because he's going to divorce them. Believe it or not, it is perfectly legal to divorce your parents as long as you meet certain requirements. Of course, they don't call it divorce. They call it emancipation. Emancipation means freedom, basically. Look it up. Mickey did. If there's anything that makes Mickey mad, it's that he didn't see the divorce coming. Mickey prides himself on seeing what's coming. To be fair, his parents didn't give much warning. They never fought. They didn't sleep in separate rooms like some parents, Mickey knew. They seemed perfectly happy, or at least not unhappy. This past winter, they celebrated the holidays together as usual. And that is no small thing because Mickey's family has always celebrated Hanukkah and Christmas, all eight days of one and all 12 days of the other, collectively known in their house as the 20 days of Krisnika. They even celebrated New Year's Eve with their traditional game of charades. Two days later, first thing in the morning, before the Krisnika menorah could be put away or the Krisnika tree could be taken down, Mickey's parents called a family meeting. They had news, they said. Not good news or bad news, necessarily, just news. They were separating that very day. Officially, it would be a trial separation, but they expected to make it permanent soon. In fact, the separation had been brewing for a long time, but they hadn't wanted to say anything until after the holidays. We didn't want you to think of the breakup every time Krisnika came around, said Mickey's dad. Not that we think of it as a breakup, corrected Mickey's mom. We're still very good friends. Mickey couldn't quite grasp what was happening. He'd been certain the family meeting was going to be about household chores or the need for a new system for doing dishes. Or maybe one of his mother's wild schemes had finally gotten off the ground. The ostrich farm, say, 
or that staycation travel agency, and they were going to have to move to accommodate her new business. If you're such good friends, why are you getting a divorce? Mickey heard himself ask. Friendship is not the same as love, his parents answered. Parents have needs and feelings too, you know. Mickey's sister reminded him, can't you think about anybody but yourself? Then, despite her very grown-up and sophisticated understanding of the fact that parents have needs and feelings too, she burst into tears and ran out of the room. Instinctively, Mickey followed. In the old days, it would have been his job to cheer her up, to tell her she was his best big sister, to laugh when she replied that she was his only sister. But by the time he got upstairs and peeked into her bedroom, she already had on her headphones. She wanted to be left alone. Mickey understood. He wanted to be left alone too. Get lost, mom. Get lost, dad. Get lost, Krishnika. I'm going to stop there because I'm not going to read the whole first part, but that gives you a little bit of an idea about what's going on and maybe why he would like to make everything disappear. Of course, I will put some similar reads in the show notes. And if you did not enjoy the first part of this book, no worries. There's always another book waiting to be discovered. But I do hope you join me next time for another Next Reads. And thanks. Thanks.